0: This morning, I want to kind of like start off in Philippians 1 with a statement that we all know. I was joking about it this morning, and the guys will see right now that I was um, being on purpose there. But to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. In Philippians 1, verse 19 to 21, Paul is speaking to the church of the Philippians. And in that place where he's speaking, he's speaking to them being imprisoned in Rome. And that kind of is like the last few years of his life. There's not a specific time that we know like exactly when Paul wrote this letter, but it's around about AD 60. And Paul died in AD 64 around about. So it's like in that time where he was in captivity. Captive, I think, under house arrest in 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 Rome. And Paul knew that this is the end. He knew that this is this is my last bit. And so he's writing to the Philippians and encouraging them towards certain things. And so we're gonna take here in verse 19, and he says this: Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And he's speaking about being captive in a situation that he finds himself into. And a little few verses before this, he speaks about the people that are still preaching the gospel but they're preaching it for their own gain, and they kind of like, you know, it's even in our days, you get one guy that becomes an influencer of something, and all of a sudden, everybody is saying the same thing, and trying to see what they can, you know, do to also capitalize on this thing, and it's the same thing that happened then, Paul's message came of Jesus, and it started changing cities, it turned things upside down, and so, like Jews and people who heard about this and they wanted to jump on this bandwagon to also see if they can can get some fame or you know they also wanted to be like Paul and Paul says like these guys they like they like in a sense trip him up and try to capitalize on him being in prison and they preaching the gospel for for reasons that are not for God's reasons and for his kingdom and he goes, they possibly, even some of them are possibly even the reason why he's in prison, because they probably gave him up, because now he's out of the way. And so it's an unfair situation. It's like just not a great situation. And Paul goes, even in this, I know that this situation, which is not great, something is going to happen here. It will turn out for my deliverance. It, like I will be set free here. And then he, he goes further and he says this. Verse 20, as it, is, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with that, that full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or whether by death. So he's saying like, you know, I'm going to find deliverance here somewhere. Whether by life or by death, I know. Christ to be honored in my body, in me, in my life, whether I live or whether I die, Christ to be honored. And then he says this, for me to live is Christ, in verse 21, and to die is gain. What is he saying in that? How can you be delivered, Paul, if you die? No, we need you here. You you need to preach the gospel. You need to continue with this, this thing that God has given you. But see, he knew that his life is not in his hands. And if he's living, God has got a reason for it. And if he dies, God has got a reason for it. Either way, in his living, in the difficulty, in the muck, in the, all the things that he needs to go through, he knows God is with him. And so, I will be delivered. There's something that God is doing here. I don't know what it is. It sucks. It feels bad. It's sore. It's, I want to be with you. I can't be with you. But I know God is doing something. And if I die, Even better. It's far better to be with the Lord. I mean? So we see this. His deliverance for him is not something that's like I need relief from my current situation. But it's actually like my current situation doesn't matter. God is at work. Whether I live, whether I die. And so for us here this morning, I want to ask us. Is your life still your own? Or does it belong to God, just like Paul seeing in the scripture? Where he's not in a to say it's not even a perfect situation, it's probably one of the worst situations. <laughs> but yet his life was in God, and he knew that his life was not his own. Where is your life right now? What does it mean to have a life that is being lived for Christ? Like he said, in my body, I just want to get that scripture before I butcher it. um, It's my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. What does it mean? To live for Christ. I want us to look at this a little bit this morning. I think from the bat or out of the bat, it's this. It's taking the things that I consider to be mine... My preferences, my desires, my will, my the things the way I like it. You know, some people go like, I like the toilet paper outside, and some people want it inside. And you can have some homes that have quite big reactions about. Hey, I know it happened in my house where I was like, why does I put the toilet paper one that, one way, and then when I get back to the toilet, I see the toilet paper another way. We're like, who is doing this? <laughs> It wasn't Ellen. (laughs) And so our life can be caught up and taken hold of the preferences. Our preferences, our desire, our will, the way what the things that I think is owed to me. And the day I came to Jesus, that is the day that I took what I want and what is preference to me. That was the day that I was supposed to take those things, dig a hole, and say, put it back, compact it, and walk away. Because what I've been given through Scripture, through the Holy Spirit illuminating, is the will, the desires, the preference, the, the things of God that l- wants to, He wants to, me to live into. Does that make sense? I find myself often in this place where I, I I, think of the things that I think I'm owed. Oh, but I've worked hard. You know, I've, I've done the work. I've walked with this person and walked and walked. Surely they should honor me in some kind of a way. Or maybe it's for you in that place of where, and I mean, this is a place where I fail many times. I'm trying to work on it. We've had a long week and then I come home and I go like, I've earned the right to just sit on the couch and just watch some TV because I'm tired. And then Helen's like, I've been with the kids all week. (laughs) I'm also tired. (laughs) And I can't just go and say to her, no, 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 I'm more tired. You know, like you need to do this. Now you're the wife, make food, look after the kids. Where is my cold drink? I'll quickly find that die or death is gain, eh? <laughs> And so it's not—it's—it might seem not like a significant. But those are places where I find myself and I realize, Rian, you're actually quite selfish still. You're actually still taking what, you, what that died with Jesus that day that you gave your life to him. You're taking things from that place and you're still trying to resurrect them and have them live with you with Jesus. And actually you can't. You can't live two lives. You're either in the kingdom of darkness or you're in the kingdom of God. And so one of those two need to die. And so when we come to Jesus, we come to that place of where we say, Jesus, my will, my preference, my way of doing it, what I think is best, they need to die. And it's easy to do it in the moment when I'm like, Oh man, I see God moving and He's healing people here, and it's not and it's like, oh, I'm feeling so amazing. God, you've got my everything. And then comes the moment that we get tasted on it. Uh, just this one. <laughs> when someone says something that speaks from a place of scripture into your heart. And they go, like, hey, Rian, that thing, hey, it's actually taking you away from Jesus. But man, don't you understand? I enjoy this. It's not surfing, but if it was, I would give up surfing. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I see a whole bunch of guys that are going to hold me accountable to that one. It's okay. They're <laughs> writing it down. But <laughs> it's like... If my surfing comes in the way of me serving Jesus and it takes away from the responsibilities that God has given me to walk out daily. Not because I'm a pastor or because I'm the leader here. No, no, no. Not because because I'm a, a believer in him, a disciple in him. He's given me the same as he's given you good works to accomplish daily where we follow him. And if that incurs on this, then I need to take this and kill it. Do you hear with, are you with me? That is what it means that to live is Christ. It means Rian is dead. Galatians 2 verse 20 says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live now, or the life I live now, live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am no longer my own. Not where I work. Not where I live. Not how I spend my time. Not how I spend my money. It's no longer mine. I think there's enough space, just as a, it's not in my my preach, but in my notes, there's enough space for us to speak about tithing because your life is not your own anymore. And if your life is not your own anymore, tithing is literally the least amount of thing that you can attempt to give to God, back to Him. Because actually all of your finances and all of your clothes and all of your life and all of your desires and everything that you think you've worked for, labored for, sacrificed for, all of those things is his. I cannot claim ownership of it because Rian that could claim ownership of that, he's dead. At least supposed to be dead. It's now, Ria needs to let Jesus be Jesus over all my things that I work for, that I give for, that I sacrifice for. It's like, it's, his, it's in his hands, it's for his will to decide what I do with it. when when we've been speaking um, on Wednesday, we had a a worship time, and even with the leaders, I was speaking about Matthew Matthew 6, that speak about, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to sleep, but first seek the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. Now, just summarized, and you get my heart in it, but... If Jesus is everything that I have, and if everything that I have is His, what do I need to worry about when it looks like I'm not going to have enough? And I know it's easy to say it. It's a lot more difficult to live it. But if I'm not going to say it, there's almost no chance of me living it. If I'm not going to think about it, there's no chance of me even attempting to live it out. Because I'm going to have no ground to stand on. And so for us, the battle is this, at the end of the day. The battle is not the enemy. It's not my brothers and sisters, which 99% of the time we make the battle other people and it's their fault and it's their attitudes and it's their things that they are wrong. To live is Christ means that the battle that I'm fighting daily is this. It's me. It's my flesh. It's my thinking. It's my desires. It's my things, the thing that I think I'm owed. That's the battle I'm fighting and that I'm in. And unless I start realizing that I am the battle I'm fighting. Because everything in Rian's life is clawing back for, I want independence. I don't want to sacrifice my finances. I don't want to sacrifice my time. I don't want to, I want to live out in Bali, on a catamaran, surfing, pina coladas, all the good things of life. Why be so downcast by all the trouble that we find in this life? Just live it out, dude. (laughs) The battle is me. It's a guy that I look in the mirror and I go, all that he wants is to satisfy himself. But Christ in me, that's the hope of glory. And so this life that I live now, I don't live for me. I don't live for that guy in the mirror. No, I'm gonna live it for Christ. Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20, sisters. We know it very well. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, them. So it's after after Jesus stood up out of the grave and he's kind of like on his way on his way out um, into heaven, ascending to heaven. Verse 17 says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. And so, first of all, he establishes who he is. He says, All authority has been given to me, the true Son of God, The one who went to the cross and the one who came up out of the grave, glorified. And all authority the Father has now given to me. And before I leave now, I want to say to you this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I, and before I carry on, the I am, it's it's the one who's holding all authority, the one who is the boss of the bosses, the king of the kings, the lords of the lord, of everything. He's the one and only one that if he says it, whether you want to or not, you will follow. Because it's the one, I am. He's saying, I am always with you. So the one that's created everything, holds everything, knows everything, he's saying to me and he's saying to you, go. And he calls us to this place of now to live is Christ. Go live. Go be Christ. Go live out Christ in your life, and then he gives us these two things. He say, first says to, says to us that we are His, we are His disciples. He made the way for us to come in, and as we're His disciples, and He's the one that, in a sense, I don't know if this is a real but word, but authoritates us as His. He gives us instruction and he gives us mission for life. It's not just for the moment, it's not just for there, and I'll show you now why I'm saying that, but it's for life. He says this, the way you live for me and the way you are my disciples is this, go and baptize and teach them. It's baptizing and teaching them. It's making new disciples. Making new disciples is that verb, in a sense, in that whole thing. And the way you do that whole thing is you baptize them and you teach them who I am. And the things that I've taught you to actually do. And so what that would cause in them is that as they hear and they baptize, die, and we teach them, okay, this is what you do, this is what you do. They're going to stand up and they're going to go to other places where people haven't heard and they're going to do the same thing. They're going to this is who Jesus is. Baptize them? Okay, now this is what you need to do, and they're going to do it. You hear me? So I want to ask us, just think about it for yourself here this morning. We're lost if you baptize someone. Is that something that just happens, the elders need to do it? or, we love doing it. I love doing it. If, like the day that I got baptized. One of the words that someone spoke over, over me, and that blew me, in a sense, out of the water. I remember I was in Wellington. We were there in the mountains, very cold water, like in between the rocks and in the of. got baptized there. And one of the first words that someone said to me, they said to me, you will baptize many. That, I was chunky like a baby. I almost want to cry now. But I was chunking like a baby when I heard that. Because that just felt to me like, wow. It's like, this is the kingdom. This is God and His purposes on earth. And He's saying, I'm going to play a role in that. Like I knew it, but I didn't know it. And when they said it, it's like I knew it. And it overwhelmed me. And I haven't stopped desiring for that. And I haven't stopped doing it. I'm like, I want to do that till the day that I, kind of don't have strength anymore in my arm, just to dunk someone and bring them back up. Whether I'm in a wheelchair or or whatever else, if my arm can do this, I'm going to be baptizing people. The way we do it is baptizing them and teaching them, and then he ends off by saying this. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The end of the age, that means the day when he comes back, that's when that ends. It's until he comes back, that's the day you stop baptizing people. That's the day you stop making disciples. That is the day you stop living for Christ his ways, for his desires, for his will. That's the day. Until then, this is what you need to get busy with. The thing about this is, because we're not active in these things, we tend to get bored. <laughs> and we tend to fight and start battling one another. and We find things to capture our attention. One of the big reasons, and I mean, I've said it in the beginning, why we're doing foundations is because we want to make sure that foundation is strong. If there's something in my life that I've seen me live out and grow in God, it's not sitting in a preach or sitting in, in a teaching or a lecture and just getting information and going like, whoa, my life has changed. No, it changes a little bit in my life. But the place where I see my life changed and growth come the most is in moments where I speak to someone, where I speak to Pierre, Pierre, this is what baptism is. This is what the Bible says. This is the way it works. And I get to that place of where Pierre stands in the water and I'm baptizing Pierre and he comes out and I see his life changed. Now that information is not just information that influenced me, but it's me seeing that what has happened, has worked through me into him, and he has found himself in the same place. With God, it's real. With God, is alive. I see that thing come up, and it's like my faith is stirred up, and it's like I'm growing. We're not growing in God, because we're not speaking about God. We're not making disciples. We're not baptizing people. We're not teaching them the things that God is teaching us daily to live out. And so we get information, information, and we puff up, and we think we know everything, but we don't know how to do it. I say, so church, I want to say to us, this this beautiful life that God has called me and you to. And he's saying to us, Go. The one who holds all authority is looking at you and is looking at me. And he's saying, go. Go make disciples. Man, this that you have inside of you, it's phenomenal. There's nothing that is as strong as it is. There's nothing that is as powerful as it is. No one else has got the backing of the one almighty king. You have it. Go and work with it. One of the best weapons in in my arsenal, if I can say it like that. It's not a gun. Ask Brett, I can't shoot very well. I'm going to be humble about it. (laughs) It's not a gun, it's not knives, it's not my amazing muscles. I had to put that in there. (laughs) Now, one of the best weapons in my arsenal... Against the enemy is the day that I got baptized. The day that I got baptized, I was, I was resisting God. <laughs> I was Afrikaans, boygie, and got saved. long story, but got saved, and about two, three weeks after I got saved, I got baptized. But where I came out of, out of a traditional context, baptism happened in one way. You were like a little baby and like sprinkled with some water. That's not baptism, okay? If you want to chat about it, come chat to me afterwards. Or we'll wait until Wednesday. <laughs> and I was so, that thing took hold of my heart so much that I go, no, but I've been Baptized. I'm like, this is, like, I'm, I don't need to be baptized again. And I said, I will not be baptized unless God speaks to me. <laughs> and I remember we were on a youth camp. I was in Bible school. We were on a youth camp, and I was part of a, a worship team. It was more for just filling up the team than it was for anything else. And we were in this deep moment in worship. And I was just kind of like enjoying what was happening. But it's like a soft, gentle thing. You know, God is moving. It's like nobody can hear a pin drop. And all of a sudden, I experienced God coming onto me like a waterfall. And I started laughing, but like ugly laugh. It's like breaking the whole moment. And in that moment, like the one thing that I knew, it's like God saying to me, Rian, you will get baptized. And it was like this whack load of water just went, and I'm like, and everybody's like, what is happening? I was like. And that Sunday, what happened to Friday evening, that Sunday, I got baptized at that youth camp in the mountains. And man, that thing changed my life. Like I struggled with, out of the context that I came out of, there were some things that I struggled with. And one of the things is like language. Like every second word was not a good word. And it's just because that's how you grew up. You heard everybody speak like that, so you spoke like that. And that day, I got baptized. man. Even as for the two weeks that I got saved, because I'm in and amongst all these Bible school students, and I'm like, I'm not fitting in here, <laughs> because my voice and the things that I think is a little bit different than these guys, not as holy. And here God comes, and man, the way I spoke changed. It's like swearing became something that I could choose to do and not do. But previously, it's like I couldn't choose it, they just came out. I have to work hard to resist this thing. Of, but all of a sudden, yeah, God comes and he takes away this thing. That thing has become one of the most best weapons in my arsenal. Not because I can wield it, but because I know this is the truth: that baptism. Brings me into that place of where I am recognized and I'm marked and I've shown to the powers and the principalities and everybody that's been there and not been there. I've shown to the whole world and everything that has ever existed that will exist that I stand for Jesus. I put myself out there uh, like a, like a, what's that thing? A city on a hill. I put myself out and say, I follow Jesus. To live is Christ. That is me. And so today, when we look at that, we realize that actually, and I want to come back to this point, is that we tend to make our battle people and situations and the devil. And yes, the devil can work in our lives, but he can only work with what you give him. The battle that we need to fight is in here. It's in me. Ephesians, and I'm going to, my time is running out, and I'm going to finish off with these last few scriptures. <laughs> See what I did there? Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Jesus saying, I'm the one that's given you authority. I've hold all authority And so the scripture is actually reminding us of going like, be strong in the Lord, in Jesus, and in his might. He's the one that's holding all authority. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Interesting thing about armor is this. You put on armor so that your body might not succumb to the blows that come. Amen? And so if we dress ourselves with the armor of God, my life in Christ, what happens is we actually protect the body from becoming corrupted from the enemy. Amazing idea to think like that. Actually, I put on the armor of God to keep me in this place of where I don't look at my brother and go like, you're my enemy or you're my enemy. No, 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 no. I put on this armor, so now the enemy can't come in, can't pierce, can't can't like, turn this body that's now Christ-living, can't turn it against itself to go like battle flesh and blood. You guys hear me with what I'm saying there? See, oftentimes the people that hurt us and the things that we come against in this world, is oftentimes people that's been overcome by the enemy. And they don't know how to fight, and that they don't know how to get out of what they're in. And so their battle becomes flesh and blood. But for us, the Christians, we are the ones that in a sense need to take the fight to them with the gospel and set them free. Because we've been given all authority. But if what we are living is not a life in Christ, we're going to struggle to do that. And that's the one thing that Jesus is calling us to do. He's not calling us to become just the best doctor or the best this or to even the idea of being good parents. If you are not in Jesus, you can't be a good parent. If you're not in Jesus, You can't be a good husband. You can't be a good wife. You can't love the way you meant to love and live the way you meant to live if you're not in Jesus. Titus 2. Well, let's first go here. Romans 6, verse 1 to 4. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. In Christ to live is Christ you, you hear where I'm going so I'm going to end off here oh man Titus 2 verse 11 for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions that is what he called us to. And that is the place where we go to live is Christ. To die is gain. And there's going to be in a sense two deaths that we all that we meant to die, that we meant to live through. Two deaths that we're meant to live through. If you hear what I'm saying, you hear it. Amen. First death. Ryan no longer lives. I accept Jesus and I live with Him. And I live through Him. And then the second death, the day where my eyes close and I fall asleep. In both of those, the death to myself is gain because I receive Jesus. And the day that my eyes close and I fall asleep to open it up on that great day when He's coming back, I gain even more of Jesus. But for now, to love is Christ. Can we maybe close our eyes? I want to mention a couple of things that, as our eyes are closed, things that I believe we need to put to death in this moment. things that we've taken back from the old person and that we've made it part of our walk with Jesus, but it's actually not meant to be there. Envy. Looking at other people, looking at what they have, desiring that, trying to, with your life, gain what other people have. Wishing for their demise, jealousy. It doesn't have to be big things. it's often in small things, even to our partners, our husbands, our wives. Last pride. Depression, feeling unworthy, I'm not good enough, I mean loneliness, feeling like no one understands me. Those feelings, those emotions, we need to continuously remind ourselves that we are dead to them. Because they've been paid for and they died with the day that I got baptized, the day that I followed, said I'm going to follow Jesus. It's the day that those things were meant to die.